Welcome to Hash Time with Navguzi Chuanuka. This is a place where we help you unravel social constructs, discuss self-development in line with mental health, emotional well-being, and everything in between that directly or indirectly affects us in the millennial world around us. If you're hearing my voice for the first time and are the kind of person who is not scared of being a better version of yourself even if it requires you to contradict who you were 24 hours ago, consider this your virtual home. I'm your host, Navguzi Chuanuka, and I cannot wait to engage with you in the various conversations. Caroline Afroetri is a poet, founder of Mind Poets, and she's helped thousands of women to stand tall in their womanhood through her poetry. Afroetry doesn't give a hoot about naysayers, and that's why I cherish her. I love this conversation for you, and I hope that it will help you steady your feet in your pursuit of your passion. Let's dive into it. Caroline. Yes, Tawuguzi. Welcome to Hashtag with Nawuguzi Chuanuka. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Mm, some people keep dragging me. They usually say that there is no necessity of me introducing myself. <laughs> the podcast already speaks for itself, but mm. perhaps there is a time when someone will have to sit in for me. So again, this is Nawuguzi <laughs> with Caroline. Please introduce yourself for those that do not have a single awareness of who Caroline is. Okay, I'm Carolina Fretri, MA. MA stands for Miriam Achen, the My unapologetic goodness. poet. Yeah. Yeah. How else do you describe yourself beyond just the name? Who is a poetry? When you look at yourself or review yourself when probably doing self assessments, okay. How would you define Caroline? Okay, I'll define Caroline as a woman who speaks her mind. Yes, that's why I use an apologetic. It mm-hmm. flows with me. Yeah. And also I like to identify myself as someone who is free. I don't like to be caged and I also like to be fully expressive. And also within that expression, yeah. not, not just being a poet, because for me it encompasses everything. There is no point in me expressing myself poetically when I am actually censoring myself. So it's everything. And I'm a mother. Yeah, to an amazing girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also manage Echo Minds Poets, a group of female poets, you know, writing and performing together. You know, mm-hmm. the whole story about women, African women specifically. The thing that shocked me, I don't even know which year it was when you announced that you were about to get to 40. Mm-hmm. I was like, she's kidding. Yeah. <laughs> she is joking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, ah. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about yourself as someone who is free, I think that alone Mm. defines or describes it because you just probably, you are fluid. Yeah. Maybe that is something you have to... (laughs) Yes, yes. There is a way how you just probably fit in wherever you want to be. Yeah. So when you mention the age difference, it's like, no. Mm. She's kidding, right? So I waited. Mm. I waited and waited for you to say, guys, no, I was just kidding. And it was not. Mm. So this year you hit the hallmark in April and you also launched your book, Married to Society. Yes, <laughs> I did. Tell us about you. How, how did it feel like hitting 40? Oh, it felt so good. You yeah. know, when you have been procrastinating about something for a long time, I mean, this book was there and every time I'd plant send, send to a publisher, yeah. I'd be like, ah, let me take it back. It's not yet ready. So you remove some poems, you, you change a bit of everything. Maybe some are left the way they are. But then I was making 40 this year. And I'm like, this is huge. Yeah. Why don't I do this? You know, just get it out of the way. Do this as a self-achievement. Mm-hmm. And when I published the book, I was so excited you know that feeling of relief like you can actually breathe yeah <laughs> yeah so that's how i was i was how really long did happy. you keep with it uh because since 2000 no 2020 2020 which year is it that we met was it still 2020 yeah because shortly after we the day we met i think we talked about you publishing a book yeah and i kept asking and asking and asking hey when is this book coming out because mm. i wanted to have a conversation with you yeah prior to its launch mm. and you know have this kind of platform where people are having these conversations and then nothing i know and i'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah because i think that year you had promised towards the end of the year yeah nothing i was like all right 
<laughs> I was processing. So I, I, I believe 40 is such a huge landmark for you. You mm. publish a book, you, mm. you hit the that fourth floor. Yeah. Echo Minds Poetry Management. Yes. How did you come to produce this kind of idea? What inspired you? Okay, you know, I attended, I attended many poetry nights. And every time I'd go there, I'd say like, it's mostly male poets. Yeah. Then a particular woman went on stage and she was performing and guys were like, mm, mm, they're like booing her off the stage. Oh. And she couldn't finish performing because of all the reactions she was getting. I found that annoying. So I went on Facebook. I put up a post. I'm looking for five female poets who are ready to start something. Mm-hmm. And of course, some poets responded. And then we sat together and redefined ourselves. You know, what kind of poetry do you, do you perform? Have you performed before? Where is your niche? What is your passion? And that's how we're able to come up with Echo Minds Poets. What, t- what year is this? What year are we looking uh, at? 2019. Oh. Yeah. Does it seem new? It's, it's not new. <laughs> it's not no, new. No, like... like 2019 is too close. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, you, when you're counting the COVID year, mm. where nothing was moving on, mm. and then we are trying to move on, mm. and then we are hit back. Yeah. So, it doesn't look like it's that fresh. I know. Just like it has been there for a long time. Yeah. By the time I got to know you, that is 2020, mm. and I'm seeing Echo Minds Poets, mm. it felt like something that had been established for a very long time. I know. <laughs> So yeah. how, how easy was it for you to have this formulation when you're having these conversations with, um, I should presume, young mm. poets who mm. are also females? Yeah. What was it like in your discussions? Were they still scared that they were going to be booed off stage? Uh, some of them were worried. Two particularly had no experience in stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was just trying to get a break in, you know. Every, all, all of them were actually new. Yeah. So I had to bring in like a few trainers, poetry trainers, to sit down with them and, you know, go through the process of training, you know. We had a bit of mentorship too in that early stage and also give them an idea of what they would be like on stage. Even though they were still scared, but I feel like after we had our very first show at the National Theatre, everything changed. They were so happy. They couldn't believe that they were able to perform and they were able to also have a good time compared to going to poetry nights where everything is, you know, a bit scheduled and a bit, you know, uh, rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was good. When I'm hearing this whole process of you bringing in a trainer mm. and having these, you know, young poets streamlined in mm. something that they're looking forward to actualizing. Yeah. I feel like as the audience, mm. we don't have so much awareness of what happens in the background. Yeah. I just thought someone mm. masters their crafts mm. and they come and just <laughs> do their thing. <laughs> like I thought maybe the training could happen in like school. Mm. So hearing these, mm. I'm like, ah, mm. okay. Mm. There's a whole train <laughs> there's a whole training process that happens. Yeah. I mean, like, there is always a training for voice, you know, enunciation, you know, stage presence, you know, and all that, the use of gestures, and also pronunciation, you know. So, the poets have to go through that whole, you know, training, because some of them came and are very soft-spoken. Yeah. And, you know, when you're soft-spoken, the audience can hear you clearly. Or when you don't pronounce the words properly, they can't understand your poem. Mm -hmm. So, they had to be taken through all that. So that when they're performing, even if the mics fail, fail on stage, they can still perform without microphones. So it's, yeah, we, we go through all that. There's a whole boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> when you are introducing yourself, you have talked about the poet managing mm. Echo Mind poets. Yeah. There's so many S's, sometimes I get confused. Mm. So managing Echo Mind poets. Jesus, again, I'm struggling. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> Yeah, Echo yeah. Minds Poets. Yes. When it came to the management and your introduction as, as well, mm. and also learning, because I've taken years of mm. trying to understand who is this lady really. Mm. And you, at one point you shared that you had to leave formal work mm. for you to concentrate mm. on poetry. Mm. And I was like, ah, 
Because even me as a podcaster, mm. ah, if I come out and say I have left, I'm, I'm sure that people will be like, ah, mm. <laughs> what made you come to that decision? I felt like I wasn't really getting the most from my job because I'd worked there from 2009. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and of course from Kampala then to Jinja, and it was the same procedure every day. Of course, in between, I was writing poems. And at some point, I started feeling like it wasn't working. I wasn't actually happy with myself. I was a bit frustrated because I was at work by 6.30 a.m. And I used to live like about 7 p.m. So I had no life. Of course, my kind of life was going back home and writing, you know, maybe reading some books, something like that. But at my job, I was frustrated. I wasn't feeling the work anymore. You're just sitting there and you're like a shell of yourself. Burnout? Yeah, burnt out. And I wasn't really focusing on the tasks being given. I started feeling that, I think, around 2014, 15. Mm -hmm. And I wrote my resignation letter. I left it on the computer. I was like, it's not your trade. Whenever I'd come, I'd come to work, I was a bit pissed off. My boss would ask me, are you okay? Maybe you should go home and chill. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. But I knew that was a process. I was like about to quit. So when that moment came, I was like, enough is enough. I can't take it anymore. I can't concentrate. I don't feel this job anymore. I just want to write. I want to be a poet. When it hit me, I walked to his office with a letter and I handed it over to him. And he asked me, are you sure, Carol? You know, you're one of our best employees. I'm like, yes, I am sure. Can I do something to change your mind? I'm like, no. Okay, let me give you two weeks for you to go home and think on it. I'm not going to file this. I'm like, I made up my mind. He's like, no, go and think on it. But I left. I wiped everything I needed to wipe from my computer. I picked my stuff, cleared my desk, went home. Two weeks, he calls me. He's like, are you sure about your decision? I'm like, yes, I am sure. He's like, okay. Yeah. I've never felt happier. Oh, yeah? Relieved. That whole week after quitting, I was all over the place. I was in every poetry night, pa, 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 you know? <laughs> and it felt so good. Like our whole weight had been lifted off me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. And here I am now, you know, feeling more free, able to write, doing what I love the most writing yeah yeah usually when there are people who you know seem experienced Mm. talk about how it is important for someone to prepare themselves first so that it's not a hard fall from employment to being totally unemployed Mm. what was it like for you oh i didn't plan because for me i just shifted i knew i wanted to do this to be a poet but the reality came at some point, you know, when you're home, and my dad asked me, now you've quit your job, you're going to be doing poetry, that's a leisure activity. It's not leisure. even a job. So you're just going to be, you know, doing nothing, you know, surviving on nothing. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And everyone else, of course, was reacting towards that same decision. Yeah. Even my mom didn't understand it. She was like, that's like doing nothing. Yeah, but for me, I knew this is going to be something. And I was determined to stay on that course, even if everyone else wasn't understanding. Mm -hmm. So that was the difficult part. I had to isolate myself at some point, avoid people, because I don't want to answer that question. What are you doing now? Where is the money, you know, for asking those questions? But I was determined to, you know, be at that place and protect that space. Yeah. 2014? How many poets had you seen in Uganda? Actually, quite many. Is it? But I never used to talk to them. You were just seeing them perform? Yeah, I'd come and watch them perform, then I'd leave. Come and watch, then I'd leave. By the time you made the decision that you wanted to leave, had you performed? I had performed, I think. I was a regular at Ladu Poetry. It used to be at Gatomato. I used mm. to come every month from Ginger. I'd come ask my boss for like, you know, a day off. Or sometimes when he refuses, I'd leave work like at 4 p.m., get on a bus. I'm at the venue by 8 p.m. I perform, sleep home, wake up at 5, I'm back in gym at my job. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I used to do that. <laughs> That's serious dedication. Yeah. So how many times does that happen? 
like about let me see about five or six times yeah like every month they had something going on then there are days when maybe there's a workshop for poets and I want to attend yeah yeah like fix something I go and attend it you know try and network but then as days go on I started feeling like you know this is getting exhausting because I was also uh, managing Ginger Poetry Night. Oh, you already having something going on in Ginger? Yeah. At least we had once a month and I used to MC and also perform most of the time. So it was working out well. I thought I could sustain that there, but I wanted more. It wasn't enough. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. And then, so you got to a point where you felt like, man, uh, no, I no longer want to be asking for permission uh, or yes. something <laughs> to pursue my passion. Yeah, exactly. When it came to you pursuing your passion, let us talk about the first six months. Because you've talked about the period where you started hiding because you're tired. I don't want to be answering this question. Yeah. Of where's the money coming from? <laughs> How easy was it for the first six months? The first six months were not that easy because I had a lot of activity the first month. Mm. You know, like you had these gigs all over the place. Oh, but you were already getting gigs? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> Hold on. So, <laughs> you had at least had six appearances before leaving the job. Yeah. Were those appearances paying? You know, they were not really paying. Poetry nights then were going to perform. And then uh, the person in charge of the performances would just give you transport refund. That's how bad it was. So, we, we used to just take something like that. And then, you know, you just go home. You're like, you know, I've, I've performed it's a platform. Ah. Mm-hmm. You left your job for what? Now I'm asking you what I think they might be asking. They might have been asking you. <laughs> yes. I left my job to pursue this passion and see how far I can stretch it because I already, vis- already visualized how good it will get. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Even though I was already on stage, there are things I wanted to change about stage. Of course, that whole transport thing, I didn't like it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. So when I, as I was quitting, I had like a gig in Bali, I remember. Then I think I had something somewhere else, uh, maybe at Sheraton, and also I had at Sanyu FM. Yeah. The radio itself? Yeah. I had to go perform a poem. Um, on, on live radio? On live radio. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that happened? It happened. <laughs> How? Uh, I remember that day it was I think it was Women's Day and the presenter was alone in studio and they needed like to fill up you know so he called me and asked me can you come and sit in studio and just do poetry on radio I'm like yeah why not so that's how I ended up that there. That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we never had any poems on times when, when we're listening to radios. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I would have still been listening to radio had I experienced that. Yeah, you would be. Oh my goodness. That, yeah. So when you're like, huh? Go to radio and perform a poem? Mm-hmm. Because you know, there's a way how radios are streamlined in mm. a particular order. Mm. In the morning, there is their clowns, you know, making all those... Mm. jokes and there's just humor yeah. and then mid-morning music request calling yeah like it's the same so when you talk about i was called mm. to perform a poem I'm like huh what <laughs> okay yeah. so you had a gig in imbali and then yeah so i started with imbali i remember then as i was returning from imbali i had to change and go to sign fm i arrived there he told me you know you do like three, four poems. I was like, cool. So he would play music, introduce, then he would chill. I'll do the poem. He would play music. I'll do a poem. It would just flow throughout. What, is, what did that feel like? It felt good. <laughs> it felt good. Yeah? Yeah. So after that, you know, I was also able to go and perform. I think I've, a week after, I went to perform to a group of mostly women. You were very women. busy. Yeah, that period. That uh-huh. period I was. And I it's think like the universe was just waiting for you. Oh yeah. It was waiting. <laughs> but I think I got the first reasonable money since I started that period. 
uh, getting paid for a performance. You know, it wasn't much, but I was like, oh, okay, this is at least yeah. something. What was it? How much was it? It was 100K. Uh-huh. From 10K to 100K. I was like, this Wild. is Wild. Yeah. From tithe to a real salary. <laughs> 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 yeah so it felt good a bit I was like okay yeah I could continue with this maybe I, I need to adjust on this change this but of course uh, after that period mm-hmm. there was a dry spell how many months was it very active for at least two months it was two active months. yeah then there was a dry spell as in no gigs you know, you're just showing up maybe to a poetry night and, you know, just showing up, but no real gigs. So in that kind of period, I decided to write more and also maybe start creating my own content and start re-strategizing, you know, what should I be doing differently as a poet? Mm-hmm. I know this will fail, this might work. So I was experimenting, you know. Yeah, and after that period, that's when the Echo Minds dream came to me after that first dry spell yeah that's like how many months now because uh, we had two months of activity and two then months, yeah how long was the dry spell a dry spell lasted i think about five months or six <sighs> five or six months i mean i was still surviving you know a living job at least i wasn't broke broke mm. i was still okay uh-huh. but i needed to you know push myself and get something moving. So I started thinking about Echo Minds, how it would be like, you know, how do I start? Mm. Yeah, so when I finish with the whole thinking, you know, and putting things in place, I, I have like a notebook, I write everything down, <laughs> what I want it to be like, how, you know. So that's when I was able to start with a call out. Yeah. That is in 2019. Yeah. So should we say that it took you three years thinking about this process? Not three, five. Yeah, it took me that From long. 2014? Yeah. What is it that you were thinking about that you wanted to perfect in that period? I just wanted it to be different. I felt like it's not something I should rush in because I know there would be a lot of mistakes because usually also when you listen to what other people, the voices you get inside your head, like the discouraging ones, you feel like something might not happen correctly Mm -hmm. if you rush a process. So I had to, you know, put all that in my mind and also weigh the options. Do I first focus on myself individually as a poet or do I go on out and first establish this and grow with them? Maybe after that, I'll be able to individualize myself. What did you feel like was challenging in um, coming up with you know, the foundation of this organization for the only females poetry space. What mm, was challenging, mm. actually. Did you, did you feel like you would be welcomed? Because if you're talking about seeing a female poet being booed off stage, mm. how ready were you? Because I don't know if it scared you mm. seeing another female booed off. How were you going to ready these other people that you're going to you know, mentor? I think I had my experience. I'm not sure what I should talk about it. Of booing on stage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it somehow shows up in every time I have to talk about it. There was a time I was on stage and then I performed a poem. I, I read a poem from a mm. uh, paper. Then I went and sat down and this poet went on stage and directly insulted me. Everyone heard it. It was very rude. I was pissed off. I had all these poets coming around me and telling me, Carol, don't say anything. Don't react. Be calm. I was calm. Calm in a way that I wanted to say everything I needed to say at that moment, but I had to keep quiet. But then I went, I was, when I went back home, I was like, damn, I can't just keep quiet. Can I use the F word? I'll hold it. I was like, I can't keep quiet. So what I did is I went on Facebook. Type, 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 type. Slam this guy. I woke up in the morning. I had all this support. Mm. All this support from poets from all over the world coming to my defense. Mm -hmm. And also people fighting for me. So it started a discussion about performance reading and also performance. 
you know, general performance. Just out of your head. Yeah, so the whole discussion started. It became a long discussion and a de- de- debate. And that's when I realized that I'm actually ready to confront status quo. Yes, and everything else I need to do. Yeah. Because I had so much support that I needed as a poet at that moment. The criticism just died down and I felt it was really good. So that I think I, I, I developed a thick skin uh, for that stage because after that, I started getting gigs. More gigs? More gigs. Everyone is like, come, we want you on our stage. I'm like, okay, I'm okay, I'm here. So I kept on with that energy and... It created that momentum for Echo Minds Poets. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, this kind of uh, this kind of energy is required. Uh-huh. I could pass it on. I mean, we still go to poetry nights and you only find two female poets. So these are all these women. We're performing together. Were we ready for what people were going to say? We're not ready. We're not ready for that because yeah. we did have resistance. Uh, people saying, you know, all these women are annoying feminists who needs them on the stage, you know. Mm. And sometimes, of course, there are those who are sabotaging and calling out some of the ladies, you know, you need to leave this group. You're going to be spoiled mentally. You have to, you know, you had all this, you know, stabbing back and forth, you know. But we decided to, you know, stay firm. Yeah. Uh, I believe that women also eventually developed that thick skin and that helped push Ecomine's poets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These gigs that you talk about, there's a time when I got invited somewhere and they were talking about the gig economy. Mm. Where do you feel like poetry has taken long to be embraced? Because mm. maybe first you will paint for us a picture of what the gigs look like mm. and then probably take us to where poetry has reached mm. where it wasn't before. Okay. Uh, the gigs then, uh, I feel they were not really gigs. What was it? What were they like? They were calling okay. you to perform weddings? Where? Okay, like someone has a poetry event, maybe at a hotel, maybe it's even themed. They just want a poet to perform. That is the typical gig. I have a poetry night. Can you come and do a poem? Or maybe three minutes on any subject, the poet shows up and performs a poem. Mm-hmm. It could be even in a bar, in a restaurant. The venues are always, you know, alternating. It's not specific for poetry. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the typical gig. There are those uh, that are usually maybe for companies. That's, I don't like to call that a gig though. <laughs> that, what's that like? That is different. What, what should we? What name should we use? Uh, let's see, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Consultant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. the typical gig gigs were just you know calling you to perform. That's it, and you show up and just perform. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't discuss the payments or the terms of the performance or the theme. Mm-hmm. So it's usually it's good that poet is is not supposed to initiate that conversation prior to the event, but at that time you know everyone just wanted to be on stage. So you're like, ah, they're giving me an opportunity. Let me just show up and perform. That's right, it. Right. Platform. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. That was the typical gig, and it's from now that nowadays mm. it has changed a bit. I do realize that poets are now understanding the meaning of their art. They're understanding themselves better. They are also embracing their identities as poets. To call a poet to perform on your stage, mm-hmm. a poet nowadays asks themselves, am I worth this stage? What are they going to give me? What yeah. is my value? Why am I performing here? You know, who are the audience? Am mm. I going to benefit from them? You know, and if they give me this stage, what am I taking home with me? So poets these days are asking themselves these questions, which mm. was different back then, where everyone just wanted an opportunity and they didn't care who gave it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's how far it has changed. And also these workshops we've had, the business of poetry, you know, understanding. Oh, you've had those as well? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
because we have poets who are actually getting paid more to perform in Uganda. Yeah. And those who have also performed elsewhere beyond Uganda. So when they come together and share this kind of information, the other poets are also able to, you know, uh, put a price to their art. It's very empowering. Yeah, it is empowering. So that's the shift right now. And I feel that it is good because even organizations are now hiring poets. When we have festivals and national theater, you'd actually not find a poet, but now there are poets. They include poets in their festivals. Uh, And that is really, really good. It has also changed the type of performance Considering you used to just show up with the same poem every night or maybe the same five poems, now you have to write, you have to create new content. You know, mm-hmm. you have to catch up with the times. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, it's yeah, in a yeah. bar, you have to create, you have to perform a poem that fits that audience. People are drinking. They're not listening. So you have to perform in a way You're that they're... waiting for the attention. Exactly. Tight. Yeah, it's tight. <laughs> Actually, I don't like bar Compet- performances. Competing with a bottle is tight. It's tight. <laughs> That is tight. Yeah. Yeah. So it has really changed over time. I feel we're in a good place right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you feel like you have reached the apex or towards the apex? Mm, Towards the apex. I haven't reached there. (laughs) There is something else that has to be worked on? Yeah. Yep. So Married to Society, the book that you published and launched this year in April. Mm. Too bad I don't have the copy. <laughs> I know why. I gave you, yeah, I gave you my <laughs> reasons. I, I have some poetry books, but I've not read them. I get it. And I feel guilty mm. because I also don't see myself reading them. Mm. I, I love to hear mm. a poet do their magic. I don't want to assume that I'm also a poet and I start putting my emotions and feel like a fraud. I know. I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I just want I just want to listen. I want to be brought. I think poet poets mm. are like marketeers. Yeah. They want to, to sell you this product mm. and you're feeling their emotions and that kind of thing. That that is how I want to experience poetry for mm. me. I want to listen. So let's talk about merit to society, which I feel like when did you start writing it? I started writing it uh, around 2019. 2019. Yeah, around there. And yet, 2014, you're already single, divorcing from society. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So let's first talk about Married to Society and uh, have an understanding, perhaps even for those that did not have an idea that the book is existent. If there are still copies, you at the end of the show, you'll give us details of how we can get the copies. Okay. Yeah. Married to Society. Okay, Married to Society is a collection of poems about a woman's struggles with society, how she views herself, how she deals with them, and all the challenges that come with, you know, the different reactions she gets about her identity and also about the way society perceives her. Mm-hmm. So there are poems on abuse. There are poems on also mental health. Yeah. There are poems on also self-validation, self-love, and also her own struggles at home. Imagine Mm. a woman married and how she's dealing with that and also how she's able to, you know, reclaim herself. So the whole theme is about her daily struggles and also uh, trying to demystify this whole thing that women should be silent and their voices, you know, shouldn't be heard. So there's that whole struggle thing, you know, where the woman's voice is really, 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 you know, trying to come out in the book. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Married to Society comes with all that. As a woman beyond stage, Mm. how often have you felt silenced? A few times. A few times. A few times. Yeah, like (laughs) like, uh, when I started writing about the vagina monologues, uh, I felt I got a lot of resistance. Resistance? Yes. From men trying to tell me that it's unwomanly, a woman shouldn't be saying stuff like that, I am vulgar. You know, they're trying to make me self-sabotage. So I got all those reactions. Yeah. Even from women. I mean. Yeah. Society. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is, they were telling me it's ungodly. Eh. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel they were trying to censor me, you know, silence me, make me feel bad about myself. Ashamed, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
But the more I thought about it, the more I actually became more rebellious. I was like, no, if I allow this to silence me, I'll be putting myself in my own poems, the same poems I don't want to be. I have to continue speaking about this. And when I continued, I continued, I continued. They started getting used to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, when was that? Is that something that started last year? Last year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so far, what does that feel like? Do you feel, <sighs> finally I'm here, I'm not muffled? Oh, yes. I feel so much better. I mean, I feel like my voice is finally out as it should be. And you're not looking over your shoulder. Yeah, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm not angry. It's all out there. And it, it makes me really feel good. There's that liberty that it brings, you know, yeah. that feel good. And also, when I, nowadays when I write about it, I see so many other women trying, you know, to relate and connect. Even the men, they're telling men me. relate to the... To no, the... in a different way, of okay. course. Like, you <laughs> know, like, yeah. we didn't understand this before. But now you're giving us, you know, an understanding that this is not just about the vagina. It's about the woman, her voice, you know, yeah, and what society yeah, is yeah, doing to yeah. her. So they do understand. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really good for me. You sort of answered the question that I wanted to ask a lot later when mm. you talked about how mental health is also included in marriage to society. Mm. The question that was going to come to your side was mm. whether you consider mental health in your craft. But now let's talk about mm. you as a woman, you as a poet, being at that intersection, how mentally costly is it for you to survive in the industry? Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking for the words to explain that. Yeah, we have the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as a woman and as a poet. Being at the intersection. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's a bit of conflict sometimes. Conflict? Oh, uh, yeah. Between myself as a woman and as a poet, mm-hmm. there are, of course, certain situations you deal with. Like when I speak as a poet, yeah. there are, of course, moments where mentally, mentally, you don't feel at ease with yourself and also the whole perception of society, where I am right now. How do I connect? Do I just put myself out there and be vulnerable and allow them to judge me? Of course, sometimes they do, and it gets to me. (laughs) But then how do I react to that? So online, as a poet, most times uh, I come out as this, an apologetic, non-nonsense woman. Don't play with me. Yeah. Yeah. But when I go back as a woman, I think about it. Is it affecting me? Some things do affect me. And I go bleak. I'm like, you know what? I need the space to deal with myself, my emotions, I need to just take a break and just deal with this. I'll just write quietly, but I will not show it. You know, I won't come out and say it. I'll just deal with this. So, of course, yeah, there's always that. There's always that. It does affect me uh, because there was a period where I think uh, I almost got depressed. Yeah, (laughs) I I almost got depressed. But I feel that I was giving, I was actually allowing it to happen. And in that moment, of course, I had all these people around me. And then there is this constant, constant, you know, uh, period where I have to deal with expectations. I show up at a poetry night or at an event and they're like, a poetry is here. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and everyone is coming around you everyone has this perception yes you're doing this you're doing this you're doing this everyone wants to talk to you people have all this perception she's up there mm. you know so the expectation even before I go on stage to perform is already there mm. and sometimes I'm like it gives you a lot of anxiety I, yeah I get anxious because I still get stage fright you I get stage do fright do that I do yeah. <laughs> hey. After how many years is this? <laughs> after all these years. Because uh, 2014, nine years. Yeah, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is behind the stretch fright? Have you, you know, taken time to self-assess and figure out what it is exactly that is causing that? Yeah, I have taken time to because the audiences are different. You never know what what audience it is, mm. how they will react, maybe the mood of the audience. Yeah. Some of it is actually, for me, my spirit, it alienates me. You walk into an audience, maybe like there are so many people and you just don't feel the vibe. And you have this poem and you're nervous, you know, you're going on stage. But usually when I get on stage, I just breathe in mm-hmm. and everything, you know, just works out. But I, I still get that. So that whole expectation, you know, people expecting so much of you, it kind of gets me, mm-hmm. you know, it just mm-hmm. gets me. So your coping mechanism is using the breathing yeah. technique? The breathing technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it works. There are times where I used to take a shot, like a oh, shot. Oh, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. How yeah. long did that take? Mm. It didn't take so long mm-hmm. because the worst time I realized I shouldn't be taking a shot before performance. Yeah, I remember. Tell me you got high on stage. Let me tell you. (laughs) So, it was this very important poetry in night. Yeah. So, I was nervous. There are all these other people, guests, you know, I'm not used to, you know. There was a high table, I think. I'm like, okay. So, they expect so much, you know, from the poem. And I'd written this poem. It was perfect. So, they first started serving us drinks, food. I took some shots. I took some shots. I took some shots. Then I was supposed to perform like an hour early, but they delayed the performance. And you uh, kept taking shots. And I kept taking. So when they called me up on stage, I, I went on stage. I performed the poem. Yeah. It was confident. It was a confident poem. It was really good. Okay. As I was coming off stage, I fell flat. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I just felt flat. You lost balance? I lost balance. Mm. Okay. So when I did, I realized it. So I got up, the MC of course came and helped me up. You know, they're like, oh, did you trip? I was like, yeah, I tripped. Oh yeah. That, that's, yeah. You know, I, I, I've said, I, I, thought, I thought you cast out people. No, I did. Was like, oh my God. She got no. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> I did. I, I was just calm. Oh, I got up. I went and sat down. They kept asking me, are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? I'm like, no. But deep inside, I was guilty. I was like, ah. <laughs> how, could, how could this happen? Yeah. Yeah. You but then I, after that, mm-mm. When you mentioned uh, taking shots to help you with a stage, stage fright, I, mm. ooh, I had gotten scared that you're using it as a, mm. a coping mechanism, and that can no. go, that can go wild. That's wild. That can go wild. What 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 person have you seen extremely scared? Is there a moment mm. where you saw someone extremely scared of the of the stage to a point of, you know, breaking to tears? I think, or even. Just losing control of themselves. Is there is there something that you've seen like that behind mm. the curtains? Okay, for me, I've seen not for me, but I've seen other poets. Yeah, go through that. It's always scary. Always. Yeah, uh, they break down on stage and they can't complete the piece. Uh, and then, of course, I know others who take maybe they smoke a joint. Wow. Or take a drink before they get on stage to deal with their nerves. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, I, we lead the poetry community. People have their coping mechanisms. I, I get to realize that there are others who isolate themselves before performance. They go and sit in the corner and not talk to no one. Then there are those who will just show up during performance, they'll show up before because they believe they have to first stay away and then they just walk in. Uh, and then there are others who actually, their coping mechanism is good. Maybe they want to sit around people and just chat through. So everyone deals with something differently. Yeah. And I think I saw it better when I went for the poetry competition in Kisumu. 
there are all these other different poets. I wasn't performing, but I'd gone with a Ugandan team. So before performance, you could actually see the nerves. Yeah. One person is seated alone, not talking to anyone. Another one is lying on the floor. Another one is probably her head is down on the table. Yeah. Uh, everyone is in different zone. There are those who are worried, shaking. Others need to be held. <laughs> uh, a lady went on stage and she, they gave her like five chances to complete her poem. She couldn't complete. Oh dear. Yeah. So yeah, it does happen. The nerves. Ouch. Yeah. So if this is common and you have a whole community, mm-hmm. I've also learned there is, there is a whole association <laughs> that I usually call POW. I don't know if you guys yes. call it POW. <laughs> but I've, I've named it POW on the side without <laughs> consultation from you guys. Yeah. Have you considered having a professional to help you through these mm-hmm. kinds of conversations that you, when you sit with your fellow poets, mm-hmm. because... I feel like it would be something necessary for you to address. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though POW is not, it's an association for poets, but yeah. it's not fully integrated. There are still poets who are not part of the association. They don't want to be part of it. Or and they I feel, don't want to be part of it. Yeah, and I feel those poets should be actually the ones driving the association because most of them who are not part of the association are the older poets. So it's mostly young people who are, you know, juggling here and there. But at least I have attended one uh, mental health, like, support group. Uh, one of our poets, Rashida. Uh, Rashida Namulondo. I've heard of her. Yeah. Rashida Namulondo? Yes. She's currently not in the country? Yeah, she's not. She's a poet? Yeah, she's a poet. I just got to know her recently. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know. She's a poet. I didn't know. Though now she's doing something different, you know, community, you know, and all that. Yeah, so she had this, she created this support group. I remember I attended. Mm. And we're all, all dealing, using theater to, uh, like, to deal with mental health issues. Mm. And it was really good because she had all this circle, everyone is sitting on the floor. We're having a conversation. People are sharing their experiences. Then she's teaching us how to dramatize them, you know, without actually, you know, like you're, you're performing. Yeah. Yeah, like letting it out. You you translate your feelings into a theatrical performance. Like, And it was really good. And all this breathing, you know. I feel that that is something maybe we can actually also do. Because right now, most poets are scattered. Everyone is like, you know, dealing on their own. Others have stopped performing, writing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really that, you know. It would be helpful, I believe. Yeah. It because be. in every space, I think what we forget is that mm. in every space you can be affected mentally and you need the kind of support. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Worse in the arts community. I mm. mean, when you told me that part of other poets dealing with the stage fright, mm. I was like, yikes. Mm. Yikes, 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 yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, besides the breathing techniques mm. and then also off the stage, mm. how do you take care of your mental health? Well, for me, <laughs> <laughs> I, I dance. I've seen you. Yes. I have seen you. Yes. <laughs> I listen to music. I watch my movies. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I take a walk. Uh, I have this whole, you know, family with my sisters at home. We sit and talk. Mm, yeah. Sometimes it's a conversation with my mom. She's like my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So we chart. So there's never a moment where I'm feeling like, you know, ah, it's all balanced at home. Oh, yeah. there is a whole support system around you that you've yeah. created. Yeah. And and I feel like that is something that we also have to take away from you. <laughs> yes. But uh, is there something that you feel like we may have left out? Mm. That you feel like we should talk about? Uh, I think we have basically covered most of it. And also maybe my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my book is currently available in print, but on order. Oh, oh. Oh, the copies run out? No, I have copies, but when someone orders, you know, pays for a copy, I can find a way of delivering them. Oh, you see, you see when we say it is on order, I mm. usually know that 
this product is not available right now, mm. but you place an order and then we make it. That's what I understand by that. Yeah, but you never know. You could place your, or you could like decide to want a copy when the copies are done. When the copies are out. Yeah, yeah. but if you like order, if they're available, I deliver. If they're not here, if they're done, what the time you, del- you order, mm-hmm. I can still arrange, you know. Yeah. How does someone place an order? Uh, on mobile money. I read the numbers. Yeah. On mobile money, I have 0773-808-981. It's in, under the names Caroline Miriam Machin. Mm-hmm. Then the Airtel is 0703-706613. It's under the names Lynette Nawiri. Okay. So for those who are not in Uganda, they have to add the code plus 256 for that transaction to be successful. Oh, yes. And also have a way of uh, liaising Mm. delivery fees. Yes. (laughs) Because you don't want to cover that in the book, money. That's true. Um, What do you want for the listener walking away from this episode? What do they want for the listener? Mm -hmm. I'd want the listener to be true to themselves, to always, always, you know, follow their dreams and also try to also maintain a balance with as you pursue your dream, maintain your balance because you have to think about yourself and how your work affects you. Mm-hmm. I like to stress that because most often we like take things, we, we rush things and we don't think about ourselves. I have felt burnt out as I'm trying to help others. I'm ne- neglecting myself. So there's always has to be a balance mm-hmm. between what we do and also how it will affect us eventually. Yeah. And most importantly for the poets to always be authentic. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I think there is nothing more powerful than a takeaway of maintaining your balance. If you're doing anything in line with pursuing your passion or your goals, you have to be steady on your feet. Thank you so much, Caroline of Froetry, for gracing us with your presence. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for hanging out with us to the very end of this episode. And if you loved it, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button in your podcast platform of choice. Also, feel free to share your insights about what connected with you on social media and be sure to tag us. We are at Hashtime with Nabuguzichwanka on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter, our handle Oh my god, on X. On X. And he's at HTNK Podcast. Or you can use the hashtag HTNK Station. Catch you next week.